Greetings and aloha. Welcome to another edition of the Ronnie Landis podcast show. And we have a really powerful interview lined up today with a very, very good friend of mine, a colleague, a very well-respected expert in the fields of health and peak performance and personal development, entrepreneurship. His name is Wade T. Lightheart. He is the co-founder of a company called BioOptimizers, and BioOptimizers is an amazing company specializing in probiotics, enzymes, and other amazing things, and I've worked with them for many years, and I actually am coming on to the BioOptimizers team as the lead educator for an upcoming YouTube channel that we're working on together, so look out for that. That's going to be amazing. But in this interview, we didn't talk about products, we didn't talk about health, we didn't get into any of that. What we talked about was really an incredible deep dive into a certain historical timeline of the U.S. and world history leading up into the current event of uh, what we're dealing with right now with the COVID-19, the coronavirus Everybody being on some kind of house arrest, mandatory lockdown, quarantine. Now, this interview was recorded, uh, I believe it was mid to late March. So, or it might have been early April. So, right now we are in uh, late May. Um, So, you know, depending on where we are right now, it doesn't matter because this is so relevant. And Wade is not only an incredible health expert, he's also a bit of a historian into um, political events. I've never had anyone come on talk about political anything at all, but Wade, uh, Wade just breaks things down in a really interesting way that just makes a lot of sense. And when you understand your history and you understand how things got to where they are, then all of a sudden things begin to make a little bit more sense. And that's why I brought Wade on. And he also delivered a powerful message about entrepreneurship, about self-empowerment, about using this as an opportunity to propel ourselves way beyond where we were because we're not going back to normal. This is not going back. We can only go forward. And uh, I think that this is an opportunity. Wade definitely spoke to that. Very powerful interview. I think you'll enjoy it a lot. So before we go into it, I just want to give a little bit of time to our sponsor, Now Alchemy. Incredible company, producing incredible plant-based superfood concentrates, medicinal mushrooms, different forms of superfoods, bee products, detoxification products, Ormus Mineral Products, which I've talked about before. They have an incredible product line, including CBD and hemp oil as well. Um, You know, they have an incredible product line. For example, um, some of my favorite products would include their Tantra product, their Detox product, their Vitality product, their Limitless product, and the Immortal product. That's the actual name of those products, by the way. Um, In case you were wondering, if you go to the website nowalchemy.com, you'll get to see these products on the front page. The Tantra 
is a type of product. Very cool. You can you can kind of guess what that might be good for. Um, Ormus Plus, really really powerful. Great for remineralizing the body. Um, you know, there like let's see here. There's uh, the C60 is really great as well. That's a detoxification product using the carbon 60 molecule. You can look more into that, but it is one of the most touted longevity um, compounds associated with detoxification. Um, they've made a number of different C60 products, which are quite innovative. There's a product called the Atlantis, which is an omega-3 um, supplement. So that might be of interest. Um, go to nowalchemy.com. If any of the products resonate with you at the checkout, use the code human potential. All one word, human potential. You'll get a discount. And um, I'd love to hear your feedback on these products. I've used them for a long time. Archer, who's the formulator of the company, he has been a very good friend of mine for a long time. And he decided to come on and we decided to partner as uh, him being the official sponsor for this show and uh, very happy about that. So again, nowalchemy.com, coupon code human potential. Okay, without further ado, let's dive deep with Mr. Wade T. Lightheart. Greetings and aloha. Welcome to another episode of the official Ronnie Landis podcast show, formerly known as the Holistic Human Optimization Show. And of course, those two ideas go hand in hand, the ideas of Ronnie Landis and human optimization. And so we are back on our interview series here. We are broadcasting live on Facebook. We've been getting a lot of traction especially since everybody's at home right now. We're all having an interesting shared experience here on planet Earth for the first time ever, really. And we can talk more about that, what that might mean, some interesting perspectives around all that. But the point of the matter is we are all, you know, we're all in our homes. We're all in this kind of so-called quarantine situation. And these interviews and these broadcasts have been an incredible way to stay connected and particularly to remain connected to something real versus perceptions being broadcasted into the mainframe of humanity, whatever those perceptions are, and we are going to get into some of that as well. But we can connect here on something that appears to be a little more real, at least as far as I can tell. These have been incredible conversations and uh, just really happy to do all this. So we're going to get into another one today. And I have a really, really dear friend of mine a colleague, somebody that I consider to be like an older brother, um, and really has just been an incredible, um, incredible provider of perspective. And I think that's an interesting way to, to say this and also share what, what we're going to get into here is we're going to provide perspective, and particularly this individual, Wade Lightheart. He has provided me perspective in my life literally since, like, I think we got to know each other maybe eight or nine years ago. Um, it's been a long road from the raw food days and the raw spirit fest where we originally met each other in Sedona. And this is the individual who's actually responsible for getting me started on my entrepreneur path. Um, I had just come off a two-month book tour 
you know, I'm just driving, kind of working the, the, you know, the original David Wolf speak around the world model. And uh, I realized maybe, hey, maybe I don't have the same motor that he does or something's out of place because I went for two months, maybe 30 events nonstop. It was incredibly fun, but I was also on a shoestring budget, literally just going from event to event, selling different products, my books, and just getting by. And, and that was fine because I was on the mission. However, when I got all the way from Northern California into Arizona and into Sedona, I think I literally had like $20 left to my name, shifted out of some kind of relationship dynamic that I, I, I was involved in. And I was in a particular place of like, wow, um, how do I move forward from here? How do I actually, I, I don't know how to move forward from here. This is a, this is a challenging position. And that, that's when me and Wade uh, had a conversation. Long story short, he broke it down to me and helped me understand like, hey, You've put these the 700 page book together at the time and he he gave me this brilliant idea he's like you know you might want to translate all that into video format because other people that may benefit them because this is a big book and I don't know how many people read books anymore I certainly don't remember the last time I read a 700 page book if ever and uh and i put my heart and soul into it so he said hey why don't you put a video course together and that was the inception point for what a lot of you might now know as the holistic health mastery program and i just wanted to share that because um you know i'm incredibly grateful eternally grateful and also to to just kind of highlight something before i bring wade on which is wade is a seasoned entrepreneur He's, um, he owns a company, co-owns a company with his business partner, Matt, called Bio Optimizers, which you may have heard of. Um, you know, I've promoted it. Many people around the holistic health community have. You may have heard of it. It deals in systemic or metabolic life enzymes and proteolytic probiotics, which we're going to talk about. And they are the best in the category of, of those two things, in my opinion, in the industry. And... Um, you know, th this is just an individual, again, that has incredible perspective and insights that can be very helpful for, for all of us to stay grounded. So without further ado, I'm going to bring uh, Mr. Wade Lightheart on. How you doing, man? Doing great, Ronnie. Yeah, thanks for having me on the show. It's always a pleasure. And it's been great that we've been able to connect in Sedona in the last little bit, which has been really awesome one of the silver linings in this uh this madness that seems to have uh, taken over the world so uh mm -hmm. you know there's always there's always a place for peace in the center of the storm and so i think it's up to all of us to find it mm -hmm. yeah w well said and and we are both here in sedona and when you when you came out of here you escaped the clutches of la and you got out of here uh you got out here we went on a pretty long hike and we talked about a lot of things and you shared a lot of ideas. You shared an incredible composium of the last hundred years of American history um, and how we got up to this point and different political perspectives. And, and you really just kind of synthesized a lot of information that was, um, it was very powerful. And a lot of people are right now going through a lot of that information they're first becoming aware of it um or they're trying to piece it together a lot of this it's almost like a fish tank got shaken up and you know when the fish tank hasn't been cleaned out for a while it gets a little murky and all that dirt comes up we could call that a Hertzheimer's syndrome if we will a healing crisis and all the the dirt and debris 
rises up and then it has to be eliminated, right? It has to get detoxed and cleansed. And I feel like that's what's happening. And so I think maybe the best place to start this off is can we talk to some of those people out there that are for the first time doing conspiratorial research? And I wouldn't normally say it that way if I wasn't so overwhelmingly apparent that almost everybody that I've seen is actually doing this where that in of itself is pretty amazing. Um, and people are stuck at home and they have nothing else to do other than to go down bottomless rabbit holes. I, I know from personal experience. So I'm curious what your thoughts are on that and just kind of just speak, speak to the, the whole phenomenon. Thanks, Cheryl. I'll try and give my best perspective and keep in mind, everybody, this is just my opinion. And, uh, Fortunately, we still live in a world where we can share opinions on certain mediums, although I do believe those may be under threat um, during this current version of a world crisis. And so um, I'm a Canadian. Uh, I was born a Canadian, quote unquote. So I lived in the imaginary lines that we call Canada. And I've now been transplanted to the imaginary lines that we call the United States. And keep in mind, that much of what we identify with as a nationalistic idea is an Im imaginary. And so um, if you understand that basic premise, you're, you're going to be able to understand that how we perceive the world is a collective group of assumptions built on top of each other, which have a collective agreement Therefore, we determine that becomes truth. And right now, we are in the most interconnected time in world history, meaning economically, information-wide, uh, communication-wide, uh, production, distribution, uh, all of these things for the first time in human history are now as a much more interfaced unit. Now the benefits of that is over the last 20 years, we've seen the largest growth of economic prosperity worldwide in the history of the planet. That's something that most people are not aware of because most of the news channels and sources are very doom and gloom and speaking about the dire straits of things because the basic premise of our operating system we call the brain is, is, is looking for threats to our survival. So news interests throw out threatening things to get our attention. The second thing I want to nuance here, and I'm not immune to this, so please take everything that I say at face value as an opinion and do your own investigation, is that most people start an investigation with a basic belief, assumption, or premise that they're looking to prove, and therefore find supporting evidence to support that basic assumption, or will ignore information that is contradictory to that, which leaves us at a double-bind situation. How the heck is anybody supposed to know what the heck is really going on in the world today as we find under this uh, COVID uh, ideology that has been put out there? And it's 
correlation cure or resolution or response. And when you're talking conspiracy, and I'll let you kind of note it, I'm trying to set the context before we dive deep into this, is conspiratory theories, and there's plenty of them, and many of them are false. But let's look to when that first ideology was propagated to the world was right after the John F. Kennedy assassination, when the government agencies who were put in charge of determining what happened, which we still do not know today uh, what actually happened, determined that we needed to create a lexicon, an idea, a, 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 a thing, whatever you want to call it, a label for people who were doing investigative research that was outside the purported uh, professional version perpetrated by government narratives. And that had, and if you can look at both sides, and I'm always trying to be balanced on it, there is some benefits from being able to create a narrative that is communicated in a way that people can understand a basic thing. And that's partly what a government does and try to com try to synthesize a lot of complex factors into a universal idea, which is always never the totality of it, but it's a general idea, right? It's a general concept. The downside is if the people who are entrusted to do that are not operating from the best ideology of the people for the people as you is put forth in the constitution in the democratic republic that the united states is for example which is one of the most unique nations ever to be birthed in history thanks to the constitutional ideas and the founders of that who understood the problems that emerge with all governments with all regimes with all systems whether it be dem democracies to totalitarian regimes you have to realize as long as everybody's playing by the rules in the best interest of the population, it works really well. But when, when there are people within power who are operating from their own uh, self gain, then we, we, we come into problems. And over, over time, it was determined the problem with democracies, according to Aristotle, who was very critical of them, is they last 250 to 300 years before they become abjectly corrupt and usually collapse within themselves, uh, used to you know overthrow a revolution. And so that's the that's the that's the setup of understanding of where we are, how conspiracies get named and put forth, and then of course all of us who are searching for some sort of you know what the heck is really going on, and uh, that's kind of what we're trying to get get to as I, I guess i don't know if we can actually get to the truth of what's going on but what we can look to find is how can we find peace in the middle of the storm of disinformation and falsehood yeah well 100 and one one thing that's coming up <clears throat> for me right now is this this uh how do i want to say it? this internal well you mentioned the threat detection mechanism in the human brain so that's been pretty well discussed in terms of like the amygdala, the, the limbic system, the reptilian or primal survival, sympathetic overload. There's a lot of terms. There's a lot of things that we kind of understand this idea, right? Um, people are in threat detection. Now, 
something that I've been talking about a lot is how do you discern between truth and falsehood? Because it's not about convincing you through information. There's a vibration that's carried through the information and the person who's delivering the information. You know this through sales, marketing, and all the, the, the hoopla that goes into how insidious, or, or maybe that's not the right word, but how detailed these kind of things are, even social media, how absolutely surgically precision-based the algorithms are detailed to hook your attention and your internal chemistry set to get the intended result, right? Um, so with that said, you know, this, 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 this idea of primal instinct, right? Like, how do you, how do you, how do you, how do we activate our instinctual intelligence that's not dependent on our emotions, that's not dependent on logic or something making sense, um, information versus disinformation, but well, you kind of get where I'm going with, yeah? Yeah. Well, I think there's a couple caveats. And if you look, um, uh, one of my um, spiritual teachers in this domain was a fellow by the name of Dr. David Hawkins, um, who was a world-renowned uh, spiritual researcher. He was an MD and a PhD. Uh, he founded a, a boat. He, he was actually one of the founders of orthomolecular psychiatry, which was actually treating advanced states of illness with nutritional products. He worked with Dr. Linus Pauling, the two-time Nobel Prize winner for who discovered vitamin C, as well as Dr. Abram Hoffer, who uh, founded the orthomolecular nutrition, uh, you know, started that whole thing. And, and what they determined was a couple of things. Number one, for the vast majority of history, it has been almost impossible for humans to be able to determine truth from falsehood accurately. The other thing is, is we, are in, we have a nervous system which is developed from all the way up over billions of years from single cell uh, organisms all the way up to the advanced consciousness that humans now enjoy, which appears to be superior to all species. Now, keep in mind, we're taught in science that the forebrain is the most advanced part of the uh, human brain component, but we have to realize that the old style brains, which you refer to, I call the reptilian brains or lizard brain, uh, is, is actually the oldest and more efficient components of the brain. So the, the forebrain, when under threat, becomes a tool of the lower brain. And so therefore, uh, in the current circumstances, we have to recognize, we have to pause and reflect and to realize that the chances of the average person being able to overcome and override the billion years of evolution in their own brain uh, are almost zero, almost zero. And so what's happened, I will, I will liken it to this. You, you talked about the fight, flight uh, response. There's fight, flight, and freeze. So uh, let's pretend that we're all a rabbit for a second. And uh, you know we're a little rabbit out here in the bunny field and you're hopping along, nibbling some grass, everything's great. This is kind of like you at your job or you and your business going about day-to-day -day business. You got your check coming in, you got your regular business going in. This is you harvesting the value you're creating in the world, just like the rabbit is eating the grass, right? You're, 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 and, and everybody's doing that to some variance of degree. Suddenly, 
you step on a branch and there's a crack and you hear a nefarious rustle in the bushes. So what happens is you go from this wonderful parasympathetic response, I'm being fed, I'm being thing, I'm safe, I'm secure, I'm getting high, the, my hierarchies and needs being fed to like, oh, there's a threat. What, I, I, I just made a, an unusual noise and I heard a rustle in the bushes. Is that another bunny rabbit? Is that a bobcat? Is that a lion? Is it a turkey hawk? Is it a threat to my existence? So what happens in today's world, we, we, we pause. And the first step is the, the nervous system switch. Adrenaline and cortisol is released inside the body. The body switches into the limbic response system. Am I going to run or am I going to fight? So there's a freezing. The ears perk up. The senses get aware. The muscles are ready to spring. And we're looking around. So all of a sudden, this is what's happened in the world collectively to humans with this threat of the virus. Now, some people are going, nah, that's rustling the bushes. That's not really a virus. Oh, that rustling the bushes is just another story. And then all of a sudden, uh, something peeks its head out of the bushes. And it's a threat. And what's coming out of the threat is either, in fact, two things come out of the bushes. One is a bobcat and the other is a lion. And I'll say that the bobcat is the virus and the lion is the economic res response that people are taking to the virus. So we, we are not subjected to one predator now. We're subjected to two predators. Okay, so this is what's happened to humanity right now. And all of a sudden, we're all home. All of a sudden, we're not at our job. All of a sudden, we're not in the grassy field. And we're taking an information. Now, some people are running. So, for example, I was in L.A. I looked around. I said, there's a lot of, there's a lot of threats if things go bad here in Los Angeles. I'm going to go to a greener pasture where I got a little bit more space to maneuver to see how many, how many predators are coming after me. So that's one spot. Some people stayed there and they're just dealing with whatever. And they're like, okay, the predator's coming. There's a third response, which is freeze. So a lot of people, there's their, their response to the ears coming up and the nose smelling and all that stuff. So what are they doing? They're going online. They're checking YouTube. They're checking their Facebook. They're calling their friends. They're, they're watching the, uh, the various news channels online, trying to figure out is this a threat that is going to take me and my family out? This is the basic biological response that we're all feeling. And we're all searching and it, it's changing all of the time. It's, so I can, I can go on CNN and get one version of quote unquote the facts. I can go on YouTube and get, I don't know, 5,000 different version of the facts. I can go on Fox News and get a version of the facts. I can go to a special holistic health group and get that version of the facts. I can go to the, the World Health Organization and get their version of the facts. I can watch just a government uh, production and their version of the facts. And I'll tell you what's going to happen. I'm going to be extremely confused. 
what happens then is the nervous system becomes overloaded. Just like a boxer that's getting knocked out, the nervous system gets overloaded and you slip, slip into freeze mode. You go into sympathetic nervous system because what happens, there's a hopelessness that rises up that I can't come to the conclusion if this is going to take me out. I can't determine the information and you freeze. And the reason why you have this freeze mechanism, because when you're caught by the prey, the, the, the animal, as you see on those animal kingdom shows, will go limp. And they go limp because the, la the only possibility of survival at that point is not to bleed out from the, the, the pre-parasympathetic response. So that is the physiology, the biology that we're all fighting against in order to even come to determination of what our sensory input is going to determine. So the reality is most people are happy to bleed out and look to whoever there is their quote unquote den leader for the solutions. And right now, a lot of people are, whether the virus is real or not real, whether it's worse than what we think, whether it's non-existent, the one, thing, the one truth that I can be very clear about as a predator that is threatening the person today is the economic impact of what's happening. Businesses are closing. Jobs are being lost. 67% of Americans today are dependent on a small business as either the employer of people or being employed or working through or, or, or doing business to business with. And those are the businesses that are most impacted by that. And the reality is we're not coming back from that. This is, trigger, this is going to trigger the greatest world events since World War II. That's a fact. And the question is, how are we going to navigate that? How are we going to determine what is going to happen? How do we create health and vitality and prosperity and peace in our own lives? And I think the first thing is to recognize we're not going back to normal. Normal has left the building. What was your life in the past is over. It's not going to be the same. Now, there is a potential for it to be better, and there is a lot of potential for it to be worse. If you're trying to go back to what it was before, I think you're, 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 you're running back into the, you're, you're running towards the predators. If you're looking at it as a reset option about how I'm going to interact and operate in the world, then I think it's a great opportunity. So I'm, I know I kind of rambled on a little bit. But I think it's really important to realize because your question was, how do we determine what the truth is or how do we do that? I think it's almost impossible based on the nervous system that we're given and the events and the stimulation that we are receiving in the digital world today. I think anybody that says that they have an access on, on the absolute truth, I, I'm very concerned because I don't know if mm -hmm. it's even possible. I, I just had the thought as you're mentioning this, when you look into the, the sacred halls of science, the ivory towers of science, or what we know as scientism, which is a term I've been using quite a bit lately, mm -hmm. there's this whole thing around objectivity. So when people talk about subjects like vaccinations or this thing or that thing, 
their whole their whole deal is around this like mechanistic materialistic some may say atheistic i certainly would use that but that's a different angle on it but ultimately it's this idea of objectivity but is objectivity actually possible based on quantum physics the observer effect non-locality these different principles that we're aware of that this isn't just some some kind of like spiritualized metaphysical metaphysicalized idea that i create my own reality if we actually look at certain ideas like simulation theory or whatever you want you don't have to go down the rabbit hole the point of the matter is subjectivity versus objectivity are often like these these two different things but what if they're actually not separate what if we can't be 100 percent objective what if subjectivity is bleeding through everything in our perspective and our belief systems that are that are creating the perspective that we see through what if that's an unavoidable fact that's what i'm hearing from you basically is that it's actually an unavoidable fact that you can't be 100% depersonalized from the situation so your belief systems your fears your insecurities are are getting brought up and instead of avoiding that because it's uncomfortable or I don't want to look at that maybe this is the time if there was ever a time that we need to look at the things we're afraid of and things that we're scared of the things that we don't want to look at because the threat is actually real whether it's perception or not there is a threat here and we need to get a handle on what that is in our own personal lives um, especially if we are doing conspiratorial research where our perception is focused on the world out there versus the world right here. A hundred percent. We're going back to the premise of the discussion where the world's greatest physicists were, uh, you know, gathered in Copenhagen uh, almost a hundred years ago. And that's where Einstein put out his famous thing, uh, you know, God does not play dice. And he, he wanted to create a world that was a de deterministic machine based on uh, causality, which is the primary predictive model that science uses to date to determine information. And it tends to discord everything with outside of it as noise or non-essential information. And that's brought us the world that we have today. Um, but the quantum model was saying, no, you cannot, you know, we might produce a million black crows in a row, but that doesn't mean that the next round of crows being born are going to be black. There's the, the Heisenberg principle says, hey, there could be a white crow because we do, we, it's not possible for us to gather all the information at, at any one given time because it's a very big universe. And there's a lot going on. In fact, there's more that we don't know than what we do. Uh, science has provided us a sense of comfort and a sense of predictive models and a sense of engineering in the world that's been very valuable and has created a lot of prosperity. But we're, when, when that model is becoming tested, which is happening right now, uh, then what happens is we, we start to realize that, oh, you know, there's a lot bigger things that are going to happen in the world. So for each one of us, we have to recognize that there is no solace in science. There is no solace in statistics. And there is no solace in an externalized authority 
that is going to dictate the determinations that you make on a day-to-day -day basis. It'll provide a little bit of security for a while, but for the most part, it's going to shut down a whole level of awareness of to who you really are, which I believe is an infinite being having a consciousness experience at a point of observation called the physical body. And so that's my spiritual take. And the people that I see doing the best right now are the people who have some sort of spiritual-based practice and internalization process, uh, whatever that is for them, that is able to derive meaning from their existence outside of the game of name, outside of the game of fame, and outside of the game of gain. Not to think that those things aren't bad or good or whatever, but those things are under attack right now. Those things are being challenged and shifted and being the apple cart is kind of tipped over and everybody's scrambling to see if they're going to get an apple today to eat or not. And the reality is, is um, if you can turn the senses inwards, um, and I think it, it was well orchestrated or well illustrated in the, uh, the book, the Bhagavad Gita, and the premise of that book is to not be an, just an externalized war, which may or may not have happened. But the whole premise of that book is to look at the internal battle of, the, uh, of Arjuna and Krishna, and Arjuna being us, the, the, the devotee who, who does not want to go to war with his brothers and sisters. And he's, he's sitting on the eve of battle, wondering what to do. And the first step is he needs to accept his karma. He needs to accept the situation as it is. And he needs to turn the senses, which are illustrated as the five horses, which are the five senses in the illustration of an Eastern philosophy, over to God or over to his deity or over to his guru. He needs to turn them over there. So recognizing that I can't find the truth in that, I'm going to turn that over. And, and Krishna is going to be the running of that, helping you get those senses. And the focus is, you know, the, the arrow and the arch back is the bow as in meditation, as in peace, as in the spinal column, being in the right place, going within, internalizing, turning internal and recognizing, hey, what is this anxiety that I'm feeling that's coming up? What is the fear that is coming up in myself? What is the need to grasp outward and this idea of survival? That human brain that we all possess the only way to reverse that is to go within and to find peace, whether that's reading peaceful statements, whether that is a meditation process, whether that is doing prayer, whether that is doing some form of uh, practice that allows you to reverse the searchlights going outwards to go back inwards and to find that inner peace, which is available for all of us at any time, at all times. If we are uh, forthright, and determined within our effort. And there's never been a more challenging time to do that than right now. However, there's never been a more important time to do that right now. So as they say, um, uh, necessity is the mother of invention. I think for many of us, uh, it's a great opportunity to have a breakthrough in our internal dialogue, in our internal relationship uh, with ourselves and with our creator. Yeah, beautifully articulated as usual. Um, I really appreciate your ability to help illustrate 
a deeper point in a way that's very pragmatic and, and, and really makes sense, right? Because a lot of these ideas, oftentimes the way that they're described sound like they make sense, but don't necessarily land because it doesn't actually, you haven't, someone hasn't necessarily made sense ability out of it, i.e. practical wisdom, right? So that's one thing that I, I and that's one of the reasons I really wanted to bring you on because um, I know I've gone through it. I'm just coming to the other end um, of an entire integration process. That doesn't mean that I won't go through another disorientation. I don't know what's going to happen. I feel like I have greater uh, grounding be, uh, below my feet. I have a better perspective of what I think probably is happening. I don't know the details and the timelines, but I feel like I have a, I have a, I have a belief plex that feels empowering and feels true enough to move forward with in terms of what I feel like the bigger picture to all of this is, and we'll see how it plays out. So with that said, actually, I feel like I, I really want to, I really want to, um, I really want to tease out some things from you that uh, I probably normally wouldn't go down this this particular track, but I one of the things I became aware of during all this is people's severe lack of historical recollection. Um, people act as if this is something new, you know, like like obviously we haven't been in this particular iteration, i.e., like being shut down in our homes, but. The play-by-play book is not that foreign. This kind of thing has been going on for a while. And I noticed a, um, a discrepancy between the people that are living in a perceived reality or perceived crisis versus the actuality of a crisis. And these two things are getting a little skewed. Some people are having it way worse than others. That's, so I'm not marginalizing the actual experience a lot of people are having. But a lot of people are having a perceived crisis and it's obvious because they have a lot too much time on social media. So I'm pretty sure that's, that's more perception based and a lot of what you mentioned with, you know, the fear response and all that. So anyways, um, I, what helps me is an actual understanding of history, right? Not the history I was told or his story or whatever, but the actual details, even if just going back to the Titanic, and just going back to JP Morgan and Nikola Tesla and maybe Albert Einstein and, and just understanding a little bit deeper than what we were told or the, the iconography of what we were told. Um, but see, but actually getting what I'm getting at here and I'm going to hand it off to you is getting some kind of like, uh, you know, like in a movie, you have a movie reel and it organizes the details. So the movie plays out in a, in a reasonable or in a, uh, an organic way. But if all those details are just thrown out there and they're not put together in a linear track, you can't get the you can't get the 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 uh, the, the message or the the theme that the movie is the archetypes that the movie is trying to communicate. It's not going to resonate. So um, with that said, and I and I have no idea where 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 to start this. I just want to throw it your way, but. Um, I'm curious if, if you can comment on that and also maybe catch people up just a little bit. Give like a little bit of a distillation of where have we been in our world history or our American history from the early 1900s when, when things shifted up to where we are now. Sure, I'll, I'll do my best. And of course, this is my version. This is not the absolute truth. And I'll caveat that. But here's what I've been able to because I am a student of history. Um, and I have also lived, uh, in various parts of the world. So I was able to expose many of my own biases 
of living in uh, the Western Hemisphere and living in probably the greatest level of prosperity that has ever existed in the human times. Even the poorest person inside of North America is living far better than any uh, than most humans to date historically has ever had. And we have to recognize that. First and foremost, I know that might not be comfortable for a lot of people to realize, but when you start looking at the historical aspects, and it's pretty wild. So there, uh, historically, uh, there was a time which was called the Peloponnesian Wars back in ancient Greece, which was between Sparta and Athens. These were city-states at the time. And the Spartans were the dominant power and the the Athenians were the rising power. And of course, this was uh, oftentimes downward. This is what kind of like the birth or, or the height of human philosophy had emerged from the Greeks, which is the foundational components of, of Western civilization was really birthed there and those concepts. And, you know, prior to that, you can look back to Eastern philosophy which is, you know, born in Confucianism or, or the, the, the Chinese empire, which is 6,000 years. And we won't even get into that just yet, but I think it's moment because from the Western format, we come to that. So there's a guy by the name of Thucydides, and he said there's Thucydides trap that there's the rising power and the descending power. And typically what happens as the rising power tries to get more dominance, it's a threat to the dominant power. And most often there's a war that breaks out and that war usually begins as a trade war and then escalates into a physical war. Now, at that time, you fought with, you know, basically swords and shields and guys ran out and hacked each other up. And these wars would often go on for decades just because of the times and stuff. Now, if you look and this has been a trend that has been going on since humans have existed, you know. Basically, history is the uh, recorded evidence of what happens when some, uh, what I would call super psychopath, gets into power and goes on to a rampage. So if you look at all the great empires, most of them were run by some form of masterful psychopath, which is not really uh, hindered by the emotional consequences that the average person is. They, and, and it's, a, it's an interesting aspect of human physiology that psychopaths do not feel the same feelings, are still not bounded by the feelings of guilt or shame or, or things that prevent average people from op operating. And so historically what happens is psychopaths generally want domination over other people they want to take control of things and they believe that their ideology whether uh, benevolent or non-benevolent is the dominant philosophy and therefore it's worth sending out as many people as possible to fight the other psychopath to determine who gets power that's the history of the world and and as you know after the original psychopath usually there's subsections of psychopaths in descending levels of power that eventually get overthrown by a psychopath from some other organization or some other tribe this has emerged into the country versions which have played out now over the last 500 years uh the rising power and descending power has played out about 16 times this is the 16th incarnation of that and under 12 of those conditions, war has been the natural result. And 
Dr. Hawkins in his book where he Alec where he goes into the historical components of this in his book called Truth Versus Falsehood, the, uh, uh, you know, uh, which is a pretty interesting book, uh, where it kind of outlines the history of, you know, uh, religious wars, uh, historical country wars, and these things that happen. He allocates the, the first tenet that happens in the case of a war is that there's a pervasiveness of falsehood. And when there's a pervasiveness of falsehood, war is the natural result. He also said that the average person come, can't come to truth, so people dedicate themselves to a cause which may be fruitless or may be detrimental. Like people say, well, how could anybody be involved in the Hitler war machine? Well, if you were born in Germany after World War I and were subjected to the pains and suffering that the German people were after the First World War I, uh, Adolf Hitler, who I'm not endorsing on any level, offered an option that seemed better than the current circumstances. So to, if you think that you would not be uh, swept up in that ideology, you're kidding yourself. The likelihood that you would is pretty strong, as evidenced by uh, Dr. Jordan Peterson, who explains this in detail. Please go look him up. And he's researched this probably. Uh, and been criticized extensively because of his willingness to expose the flawed human brain in these type of conflicts. When, and I believe right now that we are in this conflict. The last great conflict that this transpired was World War II. And World War II, we had the rise of a psychopath, uh, Adolf Hitler, due to the conditions, the extreme conditions that were put on the German people at that time. And they built a, a technological industrial complex that the world had never seen before and rose out of poverty uh, relatively quickly because of they didn't have to, you know, suffer the, uh, I would say, the debate of what is the course of action under a dictatorship. So dictatorships in a short term operate very efficiently, okay? And they have certain advantages in the short term and, and, and huge consequences in the long term. That plunged the entire world into war and threatened the British Empire. And the British Empire had ran the world for the last 200 years prior to that. And you can go back to the Spanish Empire and the French Empire and all that sort of stuff. But we won't go into all those details. It's, it's all played out historically. So for 200 years, basically, because of the British naval power, the, the sun never set on the British Empire. The world used uh, silver, that says the, the pound silver, as the currency of trade around the world. And uh, the British colonialism and imperialism was able to hold with an iron fist dominance around the world. And, and, and so uh, the German people uh, came up and, and, and threatened that worldwide and did a darn good job. Uh, of doing that and, and almost took over the entire planet at that time. Um, also, there was another rising power a little bit before that in World War I, which was the rise of communism in, in Russia, which was basis on Marxist philosophy about the proletariat versus the bourgeoisie, the, the elite powerful czars who had control of the serf. And so the ideology sounded good and it's very much that's echoed in today's world right now. So that was another kind of rival concept of government. So you have a fascist state of uh, the German Empire, 
You had the communist state of, of, of the uh, Soviet empire, and then you had the, uh, the dominant power, which was the British empire as controlled by the monarchy, which had some form of democracy that had been challenged a few hundred years before with the emergence of the Magna Carta, which is the foundation of most of the democracies of the world. So you had this power struggle happening in World War II. Now, it looked like Germany was going to win. And so there was an alliance put between three conflicting governments, the communist regime in Russia, the uh, monarchy colonialism regime in England, and the democratic republic experiment of the United States, which aligned as an axis power, or the allies, and the Axis powers was the Japanese imperialism, which aligned with the German empire, so one could carve out the empire. So everybody's glomming for their share of the pie of the world through industrialization, which is pretty, so, so a lot of people just don't learn this historical aspects. It's all about power and which psychopathic program is going to get it. And then the people that are going to cheer and wave their flags and send their sons and daughters into battle and get slaughtered. And when enough people have died, somebody determines a winner and you go back to peace for a little while and whoever that winner is. And the winners write the history and they say that they were right and that was the way it needs to go. So at, in order for that alliance to find victory, the consequence in, in, in communist Russia was massive losses of life. They just kept throwing more bodies at the machine. Uh, the British Empire used diversionary tactics and frankly had a lot of luck and a lot of determination from the figurehead of Winston Churchill, who convinced people to resist evil no matter what with his famous, we'll fight in the beaches, we'll fight in the landing hills, we'll never surrender speech. But he had to broker a deal with the United States. The United States, which enjoyed a relatively amount of uh, isolation due to the way the continent is positioned, gave it an advantage that it wasn't easily attacked, wasn't easily affected, and a great number of people in the United States wanted nothing to do with the imperialistic wars that had plagued Europe for a couple thousand years, okay? Uh, sorry, we know that that's not a winning thing. We're going to stay over here. but. A deal was struck in basically in 1942. There was an event, uh, the bombing of Pearl Harbor, which really drew the Americans into, it activated the American lion, if you will, the American spirit, the American industrial power, which was desperately needed to combat the German industrial power that was dominating all of Europe. Churchill made a deal, if you provide the, the, the resources available so that we can win the war against uh, the Germans, uh, or, or the, I shouldn't say the Germans, about the fascist ideal, because I think in all cases, the general population, whether it was Germans or the Russians or the Canadians or the Americans or, who, or the Indians, whoever, whatever culture you associate with, most of the population are just victims of whatever's going on and they're going and they're, they're conscripted into war. They have to bother. They go in there and their sons and daughters get slaughtered, uh, however it is. And so it has huge consequences of any of these, uh, any of these conflicts. 
And I'm sorry to ramble on, but I think we want to get the context here. So what happened is, of course, as we know, the uh, Allies won the war. But something that a lot of people didn't realize happened. The balance of power, the, the United Kingdom had to give up the bases around the world to the United States. And there was a peaceful transfer of power to the United States where the US dollar became the de facto world currency. And that change that was a peaceful transfer of power from Britain to the United States and the industrial democracies of the world then came into play, which enjoyed an incredible level of prosperity into 1971. Now mark that calendar. At that time, there was a guy by the name of President Nixon who was in power in the United States. And then there was a fellow by the name of Henry Kissinger who was his uh, Secretary of State who determined that, aha, we have another one of these rising and uh, descending powers. And he recognized that the communist regime inside of China and population control, as well as we were still at, uh, in a Cold War with the Soviet Union, that China was going to be the eventual dominant power of the world and that they needed to start playing a game with that and, of course, famously sent over China or sent over a delegation to China, which he was a part of, and started building relations with the Chinese communist regime. Um, suddenly, we went off the gold standard again and started to go to a fiat currency. And there's a lot of reasons for that, but we won't get into that. And we moved to a petrodollar um, which the, the World Banks had to buy US dollars in order to buy petrol, oil being the driving factor of all the industrialized nations. The reason why we're able to talk on our cell phones here is because of petroleum and the engines that drive that. And, I, and I'm not here to make an environmental statement or anything like that, but uh, oil is a bigger driver of prosperity than people can possibly comprehend. Uh, it's way outside the range of what we burn in our cars. It's way beyond that. But that being said, at that point, the decline of the value of a dollar began extensively. And it really started before that with the, uh, the, the implementation of the Federal Reserve and fractional reserve currency, and where when governments started stopped being able to issue their own currencies or their own valuation, that began taken over by private institutions who didn't have the, uh, the benefits of society in place. And so long story short, over the next 50 years, we saw a decline in the value of a dollar. And so we went from a, a homes that had single family homes, like you know, a mom and dad, and dad went to work and mom raised the kids. And I'm not here to make a statement that that's right or whatever. It's just, that's kind of how things were. Uh, women entered the workforce in order to make extra money. We use this to purchase extra equipment and value the advent of technology that allowed men, women to control the birth rate that provided a whole new set of options that have never been available to any biological species on this planet ever, which changed sociological behaviors, which changed economical behaviors. And suddenly we got into the rise of, uh, particularly in the last maybe 30 years, 
about how market capitalization and the creation of wealth through the stock market became the, the primary aggrandizement uh, uh, of capital value in the world. So it became, we started moving from industrial production into valuations and future potentials and the, all these kind of bonds markets and derivative markets open up. So a whole new world on parasitical business emerged out of industrialized capitalism. So we moved into crony capitalism. And the geniuses in the city of London and in Wall Street determined that it was great if we could move the industries of the world over to Chinese communism. We could export a form of slavery and benefit prosperity by taking that prosperity and putting it in the hands of the few as a, uh, a parasitical few, as opposed to in the hands of the value producers, which is the foundation of industrialized capitalism. And now the currency started to go, just continue to devalue. And then all of a sudden the pressures of the world happened. And then we, on top of that, we had an explosion of technology. Now, fast forward to recently, we have an ideological war that is happening in the world. There is uh, what I would say a hybrid version of communist, com uh, communist idealism mixed with Confucianism or the idealism uh, pervasive in the Chinese, which I would say where they value order over individuality. That's not a commentary to say that that's bad or that's evil. It's just a perspective that they've had for 6,000 years. You have to realize the Chinese empire has been the most dominant empire in the last 6,000 years. And they have said that the last 100 years is the century of humiliation started uh, basically by the British imperialism, which enslaved the Chinese to opium in order to get tea for the commercial industrial complex. China has now increased the, the prosperity of their country rapidly over the last 40 years, thanks to industrialized capitalization from said parties that we said before, that's allowed them to create incredible levels of prosperity and vitality inside uh, sort of a hybrid communism program where the money is fueled through Hong Kong, which was turned over to them as part of the uh, the 99-year lease that the British took in at the at the end of the Opium War that happened way back in the day, and now the Chinese are emblazoned to regain the power and sense of uh, pride of their own country, and this is very hard for a lot of Americans to understand because Americans typically are not given a world history; they're given an American version of history, and so that power has now proliferated through uh, an information grid known as 5G, which has been put out by ZTE, which is a uh, the People's Liberation Army, which is, uh, you know, through Huawei. And that's what that, that the whole debate is about, is that the world's information network can now be controlled or accessed through the Chinese Communist Party. Your, your rights to personal freedom and privacy uh, can now be hijacked by a foreign empire. Now, the industrial democracies of the world are based, and, and here in the United States, are based on the premise of a version of uh, a democratic republic married to the ideal of capitalism. And that's, of course, kind of distorted over the last years for said reasons that I've just given you. 
And now we are at the conflict of those two basic ideologies, totalitarian mercantile regimes run by the good of the all or order run by an elite group, i.e. how the Chinese system or ideology plays out through their culture versus the industrialized democracies run by a capitalistic kind of elite, or I would say a crony capitalistic elite. Those two ideologies are war. And instead of firing missiles at each other, because after the Cold War recognized that there is no winner in a nuclear war, we entered into a, an information war. That information war we see as what's being perpetrated through our television stations, through our educational institutions, uh, through our school networks, through our government net networks, which have been hijacked as a form of art of war me mentality, uh, which is well documented through the disinformation of information to confuse your enemy. Uh, if you read Art of War, you'll see that we have been living in a, a well-orchestrated Art of War program that has been put forth by, I would say, enemies to the ideology of an industrialized democratic republic. So here we are in the middle of this ideological storm that's been going on pretty aggressively over the last 40 years. So um, that whole that whole story, are we still there? Yeah, there, sorry, I had a little break on my phone. So that's where we're at. And those forces have taken over our educational institutions. They have taken over our information uh, institutions. Why do you think there is a populist revolution over the last uh, two elections based on, uh, uh, I would say, uh, would be more traditional a Karl Marxist ideology of the, the, there's the worker class, you know, workers unite, which was the foundation of the proletariat versus the bourgeoisie, which is the foundation of the communist empire. Uh, and that happened. So that was represented by, I'd say, the populist, we the people vote, which was represented by Bernie Sanders. And then you have the, the ideals of the old industrial dem democratic capitalistic ideas as represented by the industrialized version of, of what Donald Trump represented. I'm not here to make a political statement, but I would just say you have those two ideologies playing themselves out as they are supposed to do in a dem democracy. I'm for this idea or I'm for that idea. Um, it's pretty evident that both of those systems are somewhat broken. Uh, it's pretty evident that the democratic republic and ideologies and, and way of life that we've known have been hijacked for some period of time and we're at a crest point. We also know with the protests that are happening, that were happening before this whole virus thing in Hong Kong and in Taipei and the Chinese people going against industrial pollution and, you know, at the risk of being thrown in jail. So they're not happy with the, what's going on in there. And yet you have the the elite who are determining the, the narrative of all this thing playing out in an economic and potentially a biological and certainly an information and certainly an economic war, which all of us are in the middle of. And all of us are subjected to the predators, the information predators, the economic predators, the uh, medical predators, and of course the military predators, which we've always been in threat under humans as it is. So 
it is almost impossible for any one of us to, to be able to condense and put together all of these ideologies into a synthesized format that we can make accurate decisions for our individual life. Like, geez, should I apply to the SBA government loan? Um, should I close down my business? Should I, uh, you know, uh, not pay the rent so I have enough capital? Uh, should I, uh, should I go by the social distancing program? Should I buy into the conspiracy theories, or maybe they're not conspiracy? Maybe they're actually the true facts. Um, should I buy into the idea that we all need vaccinations in the world? Should I buy into the fact that my government is here to protect me? Should I buy into the fact that whatever advocate I'm listening to is something I should? We don't know. The reality is, it is it's it's virtually impossible for us to come to those conclusions on an external component. But I would say that we are in the jaws of the biggest event in human history since World War II, and unlike any other situation that has happened in human history, thanks to the internet, thanks to the world economic uh, interconnectivity we are now operating as a singular organism. So when the depression happened in the 1930s, that was relatively isolated to the United States. That's not the case. If there is a depression in one part of the world, it carries over to the rest of the world. And so right now, what we are seeing is a redefinition, and we don't know how this is going to work, the balance of power may retain into the industrialized democracies as, as, as put forth from Western ideas, or they may be usurped by the more communistic um, ideologies that are represented in the East currently. And those two ideologies are at battle. The war is not with spears, shields, and wars. It's with information, it's with biology, and it's with economics. And so for us, we have to say, okay, based on the current circumstances, what is the best decisions that I can make on a daily basis? Because the reality is we are the low, we are the lowest part on the totem pole. And we have to accept where we are. We are not making the determinations of policies worldwide. We are not making the determinations of military strategy. We are not making the determinations of economic policy and we are not making the determinations of health policy. The only thing that we can do is to find peace within ourselves to make the best decisions that we can make. And in the advent of absolute total tyranny, whether, it, uh, whether it's information tyranny, biological tyranny, medical tyranny, or economic uh, tyranny, we the people have to determine if we're gonna go along with that whole story or we're going to stand up and say, no, I will take liberty over death. And that's really where we're at. And everybody has to make that determination for themselves to the best that they can do with their families. And regardless of what anybody wants to believe, there are, I would say, extreme consequences to that choice. And you are going to have to accept those consequences just like the 10,000 generations of humans before that got caught up into these sort of wars that just wanted to live their life 
raise their family, feed their family, and, 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 and live a peaceful life. Unfortunately, we're all caught up in this thing and, and it's not peaceful and it's going to get messy. And my hope is that we can all find solace in the fact that this is what the human condition is and no, no hero asked to be put into the, the dire straits of the hero's journey. When the chaos, when the dragon hits and burns the village down to the ground and the humble people who are living their peaceful life find an inner courage in themselves to take up the epic journey against extraordinary adversaries, we are all being called into that hero's journey. Yes. Okay. Whew. First of all, that no, was, that was that, a mouthful that, and that, I, yeah. I just got on a roll there, but that was the best I started to no, but that, 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 that's perfect. That's why I asked the question. I knew that I was, I, was, I was opening up Pandora's box and that's exactly what I intended to do. And you synthesize that timeline and the, the articulation of it probably better than I've ever heard it. So I really appreciate that. And I suppose, you know, reaching the conclusion point of all this, I guess the question would be, well, it's two questions in one. It's what can I or what can we what can the individual do? And this is a common question, right? Like this is always, everyone's going to get asked this question, this kind of thing. So maybe what is the perspective on what people can do to remain productive? And also what do you do to maintain productivity and why is productivity actually important right now? Very great. That's a great question. So if we look at all the models that have exerted throughout history, the most successful model that has been produced so far in human existence is industrialized capitalism. And that means that if you can produce more value in the world than you consume, then you become uh, wealthy. And wealthy could come in a lot of terms. People think are conditioned to think in terms of monetary terms. But if you produce a lot of love and connectivity, you experience a lot of love and connectivity. If you produce, um, you know, uh, let's say art, art, art or poetry or some other form that may not have as much monetary value, the aspect of being human and experiencing that, you get to receive that back into the world. If you're out there producing content in the world that gets consumed, that can help people either have a more peaceful life or have a more healthful life or be better prepared, then they can do that. So I would say that for the average person, the, the tendency is to freeze. I've lost my job. My business is closed. Uh, I don't know how I'm going to create economic value um, because I've been dependent on someone else to do the thinking for me. The opportunity is to activate your super brain. You're far more capable and resourceful than you might think, and I would say that to everybody that's in that situation, what you, what you first need to let go of is the sense of dependency on external forces that are going to determine your life. So what you need to say is, how do I create value in my life? How do I ensure the sustenance of my family, the sustenance, and, and, and sustenance comes in a lot of forms. It comes in love and emotionality. It comes in creative productivity because humans by nature are naturally creative, and it comes into uh, industrial or produce of goods where you can exchange either in barter value for other goods that are for your survival or for, I would call, uh, work units we know as money. 
and money is able to buy things. So money is just condensed form of energy units of productivity. That's all it is. It's a medium of exchange of industrialized productivity. So for all of us, we need to recognize is, well, what can I produce in the world right now that will ensure my sustenance? Maybe that is going to get some seeds and starting to grow some fruit and vegetables and plants for yourself so that you can go. Maybe you have things that you can exchange with people in your community who are producing those things in life. Uh, maybe you have access to resources of capital resources that you can develop in your brain. So whatever your ideology, and whether it's a community focus or a capitalistic focus, you take that determination for your life and you go, how do I create as much value in my house with the people I'm with, outside my house in the community that I find, and outside the national? Conversely, there's another thing that you can do, is that is how do I prepare myself for battle? We're in a war. When there is a prevalence of falsehood, and I see that because nobody knows what the truth, myself included, I would say that there's a prevalence of falsehood out there. The natural result is war. So we are in some sort of war, whether it's dark forces versus light forces, whether it's, uh, you know, ideolog ideological wars, economic wars. There's, there's some sort of war going on here. There is a conflict that is going on. So in the old days, you would get your sword or you'd get a sword and you'd sharpen it up and you'd probably stand there with your buddy and, you know, you'd, you'd kind of start practicing your sword moves and get your shield blocking and put your armor on. I would say in this biological war, which we're subjected to, or certainly an information war, which are affecting our biology, and that's why I mean by a biological war, the biology of humans is under attack from the forces that are creating stress responses in it. Okay, whether it's economic, informational, or biological, they're all stress responses. Uh, so, or political, I should add to that, um, you know, where people are getting all jammed up and, you know, I, I hate this candidate or I love this candidate, you know, those wars that have been playing out for a while. Um, you, you need to prepare yourself. You need to practice. You need to, uh, one way is to educate yourself on all of the forces that are at play and, and, and listen. I love, what, I love what Dr. Peterson says is, Listen to other people as if they have something that you don't, they know, they're sharing with you something you don't know. So the first step is to remove your biases. The bias will kill you. You're, you're, you what you're not willing to look at will take you and your family out. So uh, have conversations with people who have conflicting ideas than yours in an educated manner. The old, the old thing is uh, fools argue and wise uh, men discuss. So have discussions about the emotional threats, the financial threats, and the physical threats with you and your loved ones and your collective community. Then once you look at the threats, you go, well, how do I best protect myself? What's the sword I need? What is the shield I need? What is the armor I need? And I would say that is taking care of your health, making sure that your biology is strong, making sure that you're taking your vitamins, that you're eating your foods, that you are practicing your health practices, because you can't do anything without having your physical vitality. We're warriors right now. It is time to put on your warrior armor, your warrior practice, your warrior discipline. You need to double down on your discipline. You need to double down on your training. You need to double down on your preparation. You need to double down on your immunity, which is the protective component for you and your family. That is why uh, health uh, companies such as my own and my optimizers are doing rather well under the circumstances 
uh, independent of, uh, of other companies because we're at war and, and we're essentially the guys that are like in the old time, the smithies, which are producing the shields and swords to protect you. You're under a physiological attack. So you got to protect you and your family by taking whatever resources you can and putting it. I'm not saying this, that you need to buy my company's products or something, but this is just makes common sense. I need to build up my physiology because the evidence of the people who are dying from this situation, whether it is caused by a biological or a stress response or whatever is going on, are people with weakened immune systems. Build up your immune system, build up your immunity, build up your defense system. Um, second thing is you need to, uh, you know, choose your battles wisely. Who, what fights are you going to get in right now? Is it, it's pointless to get into fights online. It's pointless to get into these fights into Facebook and YouTube and all this sort of stuff. What you might want to do is observe them. What's going on? Why are people being blocked and banned off the internet? Who's banning them? Who stands to benefit by the proposed solution to the current crisis? What is their agenda? When, what is their historical records? Are they really an expert? Are they really a hack? Is the institutions who are dictating what I'm supposed to do, uh, are, are, is that true? Do I want to follow those tenants blindly? Am I buying into what maybe the average person that bought into the Nazi Germany was doing? Am, is it possible that I could be going down the rat hole of communism? Is it possible that I could be getting my brain hijacked by buying survival biases? So look at all ends of the spectrum and be, be, be wary, be conscious of what you buy into. So limit your exposure to that and put your primary focus on your defense, secondary part on your awareness, and then your third part, and you may even choose to do this secondary actually, is what can I produce value in the world? Can I produce ideological value? Can I produce industrial value? So what are we doing? So for my company, we're creating prosperity for the people who work for us, and we are pro providing defense mechanisms so to help the organism in the world, as is our manufacturing partners, as is our promotionary partners, and we're trying to put out information that will help people survive this complex, whether that's financial information, and I've been sharing on my own Facebook group and through those things of the things that we're doing financially that we can do, the things that we are doing physiologically, and the things that we can do spiritually in order to protect our, our psychic, our spiritual components of ourselves to maintain, um, I would say, equanimity and sanity. And when you get too taken out of that, when you get too rattled up or too emotionalized or too fearful or too paralyzed, then you know that you've taken in too much information and you need to go back to peace, you need to go back to prosperity, you need to go back to love and get that built up, that tank filled up before you take another journey into the, into the, the melee of the information war which we're experiencing. Uh, the other thing is, is you need to do everything you can to protect yourself and produce economic prosperity for yourself because I think that this economic war is going to be far worse than what's going on biologically. I think that the economic war could be a long grinding war that goes not just months, but years and potentially decades. We will get out of that by rejecting falsehood, by rejecting um, the ideologies, 
that are built into more control. So if you think that getting uh, a handout from your purported uh, savior is going to save you, I'm here to tell you, you are buying into the Pinocchio lie. You are buying into falsehood. Nobody is going to give you anything without a string attached to it. And that string historically has been a loss of liberties and freedoms in your life. Don't take my word up for it. This is the historical component. And the problem with revolution in its form of physical revolution, and that is the last absolute resort that you want to resort to physical violence. You really do not want, I'm not trying to incite violence. I'm trying to insult peaceful resistance to the ideology that may take away your rights and freedoms. Do not trade your rights and freedoms for handouts that will compromise and limit your belief in yourself to produce value in the world. Go out there and start producing massive value. Go out there and start protecting yourself, gilding yourself with health, gilding yourself with economic protection, gilding yourself with information protection. Be wary, be cautious, but also take charge. And if you feel so inspired, become a leader in your group to inspire people to a higher sense of purpose, a higher sense of productivity, a higher sense of value conduction, whether that's giving more product, producing more product, more value and love, more value and information, and do so in a way that doesn't condemn others, but uh, does that, that uplifts others. And I think you're on the pathway to the way out of that. And I think the people who embrace that traditionally, number one, either face, in the worst case scenario, their death by riding into battle as a lion and going out as a, as a champion and a hero in the spirit of Leonidas against the Persian Empire, uh, that was trying to take over, or you you become uh, a Nelson Mandela type person who overcomes tyranny, even though he was had all his rights and freedoms taken away for 27 years. To to to, to stick with truth, he turned to from a radical revolutionary to a peaceful revolutionary, and history has been shown that the peaceful revolutionaries of the world always end up victorious over the long run but be prepared this could be a long hard battle and it's something that we must maintain our spiritual equanimity during this uh, crisis that we are experiencing so with all that said and and i completely agree and i think that was absolutely brilliant um, the last thing that I want to mention, and we're, we're reaching the, the epoch moment here to tie this all together. Um, I want to bring up just that quote. You know this, I'm sure. Um, Victor Frankl, A Man's Search for Meaning, right? The great quote, the last of the human freedoms is the ability to choose one's attitude independent of external circumstances. I think, I think one of the things, and this comes with knowing history, right? Just even literature, those great books like Think and Grow Rich and As a Man Thinketh and 
uh, what was it, um, uh, Florence Shovelshin, what the, the Game of Life and How to Play It, those incredible books that built the personal development industry. And I actually advise people not to get stuck with all the wishy-washy, watered-down stuff that we tend to get now, but actually go back to when times were hard. And those people writing those books, right, they, like go back to that. And, um, and this is the time. Like, that, like there was some kind of predictive understanding with them, even I believe. They knew that there would be hard times ahead for future generations. So we, we have the ability to go back in the tre treasure troves of recent history and discover people that had far worse circumstances, but similar in nature, and they figured it out. And I think it starts with changing your attitude and getting out of the victim, I'm in effect of anything kind of attitude. And the last thing I want to I want to just put in the pot is, hey, now might be a great time to consider a home based business. And I don't mean like an online course or something. That's great. If you if you're an entrepreneur or you're an influencer or whatever or you're whoever and you've had a course you want to create, great time to do it. Like great time to get on that thing that you want to do, whether it's economic related or it's or it's just personal fulfillment, good time to do it that. But I also just want to like really say for the record, I believe right now is a great opportunity to really start considering that home-based business, particularly in my bias, this is my bias, in the health field, you have, you, and network marketing is the, the exact framework that I'm, I'm saying. I'm not saying everyone has to, I'm just saying it's a, great, it's a great thing to consider because I know for you, you've been in network marketing for some time in the, the, the water department. I've been in more of the superfood supplement department of that particular you know, network marketing and Man, it, it, it's, it saved me. It saved like that ability to have reoccurring residual income that I had worked for years ago that are still paying me. Man, that, that helped me just get by till I could get my, get, you know, get some momentum going. What are your thoughts on that briefly for people? Well, thank you very much, friend. I, and I do believe in, and if you look historically, um, I'll, I'll use the example of, um, India. So India was subjected to British colonialism in for a couple hundred centuries. Uh, before that, India was known as one of the wealthiest nations of the world, and the uh, Hinduist, uh, the Hindu philosophy, which was pervasive in the culture, which was a live and let live, basically philosophy. It was not a monotheist. It's my way or the highway. It was uh, multi-theist, whether, okay, well, your version of God is okay, and, and my version of God's okay. And, and so India provided a historical record of a, a, a culture and in, uh, uh, that has been able to survive all of the warring cultures of the world for thousands of years. Because every culture that came in and took it over, it just said, okay, you take us over. And, it just, and then eventually that system petered out in the Indian culture petered on its last version of that okay so it's been invaded by everybody and never completely dominated by anything but they were you know they were taken over pretty harshly by the british empire uh and then along came a guy by the name of gandhi who uh created peaceful resistance he was the foundation of peaceful resistance movement of worldwide and galvanized 700 million uh, indians to go against uh, British mo uh, monarchy rule, co British colonialism. And 
during the conflict of World War II, uh, he supported the British Empire because he recognized that the, the other evil was a worse evil than the British Empire. He was able to discern that truth. Through that, though, they won their independence. And one of the key components is on the, the, the Indian flag. And in the Indian flag, in the center of that is the spinning wheel. And what that represented was he had told the Indians, we don't need to work for our British slave masters in this kind of imperialism, uh, mercantile regime. We can actually produce value in our own homes. We can use the spinning wheel to create our own cottage-based, home-based business by, by embracing producing more than we consume. And by doing that, we create value in our home, value in our community. So the, 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 the taking back of prosperity by starting essentially your own home-based business now you could able to do that. And I think that's a part that a lot of people in the peaceful movement that Gandhi put forth do not recognize how much of a capitalistic requirement that that movement needed. I remember uh, ben, uh, Nehru, his partner, was saying for a guy that has uh, eschewed all wealth, he lived in poverty, abject poverty, I've never seen a guy that requires so much money because it takes money to fight an economic war. It takes productivity to fight an economic war. And so we're definitely in an economic war. Every person in this listening to this is subjected to economic war, whether the prosperity that they're able to produce right now has now been threatened by, quote unquote, the cure. So maybe you have the the average person does not have the capability to endure a long-term economic entrepreneurial uh war they, they just don't so i'll go back to uh 2007 in my own life i was an entrepreneur in an entrepreneurial endeavor that took a massive downturn and i had no money to sustain my own life you know all of that stuff that happens to people, uh, a major change in life that people are going through now, bankruptcy, not able to pay the bill, all these sort of things was happening. And you have to accept that. You have to accept maybe the social uh, perceptions of other people and what that means. You need to get past that. They're not going to be, the people that are, that are making judgments against you, they're not there on your team. They're not going to help you feed your family. They're not going to help you produce value in the world. So just ignore their opinion. It's, it's, it's irrelevant at this point. Um, I was able to, to uh... you there, Wade? You got cut out for a minute. There, Wade just got cut out for a minute. Uh, don't tell me this is the famed internet collapse. 
All right, hang tight, everybody. Wade is going to come right back on. So just hang tight for us. Everybody listening on the podcast, uh, not going to bother to edit this. So he will be back on in just a minute. Everybody on Facebook Live, just hang tight. Wade should be back on any moment here. Take a moment to take all of that in. This is just a good opportunity to take all that in. Wade is taking us through the ultimate historical account of how we got to the situation we're at right now. Practical insights, wisdom for navigating this, and uh, how to actually not repeat history, basically. Crucial, critical information that's being shared right here. We're at the tail end of the whole thing, so um, hopefully he will be back. In just a few moments, his his phone probably cut out. He probably lost he probably lost battery. That's probably what ended up happening. I'm pretty sure that's what happened. He had to do this in the car. Hey Wade, did you lose uh, did you lose battery, Wade? He's connecting right now. Uh, can you hear me? Uh, can you yeah. Hear me yep, I can hear you. Did your battery go out? No, actually, uh, I'm sitting in my car in my my phone actually overheated uh we got so <laughs> i hear some air conditioning in the background i had to turn yeah. on maximum air conditioning to cool off my phone because we were on such a hot streak <laughs> uh, you hear a little back you probably hear a little bit of background noise we're going to keep that on right now to keep no, my you're good phone. yeah okay, yeah great. yeah Can, yeah just just keep keep going so in 2000 going back to where we left off in 2007 i um uh, i uh, inadvertently was left without a home. I was left without an economic source. I was left without everything. And I inadvertently followed uh, with all my absolute psychological, emotional, financial, physical, and conditioning resistance. I was uh, uh, brought to a, a network marketing company that said that, that was purported to be able to offer prosperity by offering high value water systems to people. And although I love the water, I had so much emotional, psychological, and financial resistance to the business model because I had been uh, conditioned to think that that was a corrupt form of prosperity production, that it was evil, that it was... But the reality was I couldn't deny the value of the product and what it could do to people's lives. And given the situation economically, I said, well, oh well, I'll tell people about the water. I, I, I'm not going to participate in the economic model, and uh, but... Uh, the more people I told, the people that taught me that shared the economic value that was created from that with people. And quickly, I was able to replace the income I was making before just because I believed in the health technology and still do to this day. And, uh, you know, despite my own ignorance and prejudice, I was able to realize, wow, this created a massive amount of economic prosperity for people who were suffering through the economic crash of the 07, 08, 09 debacle that happened to uh, in recent history. And soon I, I found and got exposed to information that was different and realized that, holy crap, the average person doesn't have the capability to start a business. The average person do not, does not have the capital requirements to make a global manufacturing distribution model to build the tax things, the accounting systems, the delivery systems, 
the merchant account, the taxation systems, all these things that go hard and partial with the capitalistic entrepreneurial endeavor. But the average person can learn a system to promote something that creates value from a health perspective, value from a prosperity perspective, and value from a community perspective to be aligned with people who are promoting prosperity and value in their lives. And so I started to recognize by exposing myself to information that was contrary, contrary to my biases, contrary to my beliefs, and I was able to inadvertently create an experiential reality that, that allowed me to reevaluate my biases. And that has created literally prosperity and health for tens of thousands of people. That's why I started a free service called the Prosperity and Health Alliance so that I could help educate anybody on, hey, it doesn't matter if you're in my business or Ronnie's business or someone else's business, a home-based business right now with a, a, a reputable network marketing company, multi-level marketing, affiliate referral marketing company, whatever you want to call it, whatever version is the, that version. If it's something that you see value in, something that you can actively emotionally support in an honest fashion that you can see value in for yourself, for your family and other people, then this is probably something that you need to go out and consider right now, immediately get on the phone with that person that you've avoided for the last year, two, three, <laughs> four, five years. been telling about you That's the hilarious. latest and greatest thing. Suspend your disbelief, suspend your prejudice, and say, you know what? I need to get involved in this. I need to find out how I can create great prosperity. I need to band together with uh, uh, productive, producing, value-producing people in the world and create value for myself and others and get the economic engines of our lives going independent, independent of the external forces that you have no control over because we have no control of the information, no control of the economic policies, the health policies, the biological. But everybody, right now, we still have the internet. Right now, we still can communicate to people by phone. Right now, we can still assemble in small groups. They've taken away large groups. One-on-one, two-on-one, five-on-one, and digitally, we can still connect digitally in large groups. Let's take that together and start creating value in our homes, value in our biology, and value in our communities so that we can go out there and weather the economic storm that is upon us. There is an economic storm upon us, and the only way out is to create prosperity and value for yourself, for your family, and for your local community, and also the community of humanity worldwide. That is the way out. That is the way out to self-determination, the way out to self-independence, the way out to clarity, the way out to prosperity, the way out to independence, the way out to be able to take forth, to take control of what little aspect of control you have to say, what do I do next? What do I do in this world? How do I produce? You let go of the external factors. There are people like Ronnie right now, 
and many people like him, many people like myself who are reaching out across the bridge of chaos and saying, take my hand, I'll take him to the chasm, across the chasm of despair and hopelessness and over to this place over here. Yes, there are pitfalls. Yes, there are other things that are against us, but together we have the best chance of survival than to be hunkered in your home spending 13 hours a day conspiracy <laughs> comparison and what psychopath is trying to wreck your life in this moment. <laughs> you need to get out of that mode. You need to get away from the fake enemies and you need to deal with the real enemy. And the real enemy is this. The real enemy is the psychological BS that you've been programmed that you need to rely on some other externalized, uh, non-local person who you've never met, never will met, are not part of the in-club. You're part of the out-club. We're the outcasts. We're the untouchables. We're the serfs. We're the loan form. But we can rise up through powerful, productive prosperity and production in a way that serves ourselves, our families, our communities. So I'm reaching out to you to grab hands, to join hands with people like Ronnie Landis, people like myself, people that you might be friends with that you can trust and have your best interest in their lives that says, let's do this together. Let's rise up like the, like, like the people who are using the spinning wheel in, the, in, in India with a peaceful production process that creates value and prosperity and health and vitality and economic power and informative power because the bottom line is there are more of us in the out club than there is in the in club. And history has shown when all of the out club says enough is enough, I am not going to allow the false shackles of the tidbits that you are going to throw us, the crumbs, the little hour or two I can go out to my local community, the line that I have to wait in to get what I want, the determination that I can't talk to who I want, that I can't profess my beliefs, my attitudes, my right to free speech, my right to assemble in a group, my right to the pursuit of happiness, of peace and to liberty, not at the expense of anyone else. Own those rights. You do not have to take up a gun. You do not have to take up a sword, but you do have to take up action to move forward and produce value in the world. And it starts in your home, it expands to your community, and it goes around the globe. And together, together, we can beat the forces of disinformation, the forces of economic control, the forces of information control, the forces of political control, all of these mechanisms, because the truth that you are an unlimited, ever-living, conscious aspect of divinity for eternity beyond this plane means that this is just a very real feeling game. 
And mm. so if you want to win the game, this is how you win. Mm. And if you die with the right attitude, it is a noble death. And I, like Ronnie, choose liberty <laughs> or death. Yes. Yeah. Wow. <sighs> Holy shit. <laughs> um, okay. Where, where do people find you? I want you give me your, <laughs> that, that was absolutely fantastic and amazing. How do people get in contact with you right now? If they have questions, they want to talk to you about exactly what you just brought up. How do people reach out to you? Are you available? And your, your, what is the best website or link that people can get access to either you, your information, and definitely your products for their immune system? Sure thing. So I have a free information site called the Prosperity and Health Alliance. I do a webinar every Monday night. Uh, you can reach me on Facebook at Wade Lightheart. Uh, you can get on there and find me on uh, Facebook. You can find me at the Prosperity Health Alliance every Monday night. My company, my nutritional company is called Bioptimizers. Um, there's a bioptimizers.com slash human optimization. If you go there, I have a health course that I give away freely, just what you can do. It's certainly not to the level of depth uh, that the holistic health mastery course that Ronnie has created. I think for those of you who want to become, uh, I would say, promoters of health and vitality, go to that. And uh, you can read me at bioptimizers.com or you can uh, release me, uh, find me on Facebook and reach out to me by those channels. Uh, I'm happy. Uh, I do get a lot of people contacting me. And so I put forth that information is if you're looking at prosperity on the prosperity and health alliance.com, what you do is just go there and say, sign up for free training or go to our webinars every Monday night at 6 p.m. And I get on the horn. I do not talk about uh, the product or brand that I represent inside that. Um, I do have some stuff in there about that, but I talk more about the mindset, the psychology, the economics those type of things which are universally applicable to that business model which i've been fortunately very successful in so uh i and the, the last thing i want to say is uh uh ronnie um you're a great man and throughout all of the challenges and adversity that you have faced thanks to your commitment to the pursuit of truth um you have demonstrated through all circumstances that your heart is in the right place, that your mind and body are completely, and I would say soul are completely committed to the truth at whatever physical expense. You have not sold out as some would you know, accuse others of doing, and you continue uh, to produce and to promote ideas and value in the world with the most essential tunits, uh, components, which is your health, which is the number one component for prosperity. And I'm delighted that you have embraced an economic model of prosperity to help keep the message going because the message needs money. Uh, it all does that. And the best way to get money is to produce more value to consume. And, and, and you're doing that. And your lovely lady, uh, Brittany, is also doing that. And you two are truly warriors of uh, productivity and warriors of light. And I would say also lovers too, but I'm, I'm not privy to all that stuff. But I can tell when I see both of you together, it's a, it's, a, it's a certainly magic. 
and I am grateful to know you. I'm grateful to call you my brother, and I'm even more grateful that you're willing to continually put yourself out on the line no matter what. And for that, I salute you. Mm. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. It's immeasurable. And uh, yeah, man, what, what an honor. What a blessing it was when we first met at Ross Spira Fest and did that rinky-dinky interview in the corner. But it was great. It was a great one. And I was really privileged to just um, make that connection and, and everything that's transpired. Really just love you so much. And um, maybe I'll see you later on for a hike or something since we're both here in Sedona doing this digitally. But look, Wade, thank you so much. Um, everybody, just contact Wade or check out his work, benefit from this man. He just gave us something that I don't know if you've ever done this before. I highly doubt you've ever done this particular download just because it's, it's, it's topic specific. But um, man, this has never happened on this show before. So just really grateful for this whole thing. Um, much love to you and, and aloha and blessings to everyone out there. And uh, fuck, man, let's just do this. That's all. <laughs> you know, it's like at the end exactly. of the day, let's just do this thing. And now is the time of action. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not philosophizing. Like let, now's the time where we see if your philosophy has merit. That, yes. that's, that's it. And if it doesn't, like maybe we should stop deliberating and debating and we should actually get something done whatever it is, at least it's, it's, it's a movement in the right direction. If the time for action is now, take yeah. action. Paralysis is your enemy. Sure. Move forward to the best that you can do and pivot wherever you need. Victory is upon our brow. Man, that best ever by far. All right, thanks so much, Wade. Much love. <laughs>